Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Right now we have something unique for Father's Day. I've called this the three generations of dads basically sharing. So we have Murray, who's the dad-to-be. Mitch, the I'm calling myself the new father. I've only got a three-year-old, so I'm really a beginner at this. And Brian, who is the experienced father. We'll say that, won't we? And so I, I really hope that this is just a great opportunity just to hear from the three of us, our different experiences, our fears, our expectations, and, and what it means to be a father. And so I'm going to bring Murray up. But before Murray comes up, I'm going to pray for the three of us that this is just a chance for God's word to encourage all of us and challenge us about what it means to be a godly father. So join me as we pray. Lord, your, your word speaks so much about parenting, about how we're to live our lives and how we're to raise our children. And Lord, we just thank you that your word just gives us such a foundation for what we're meant to do, Lord. And Lord, we recognize that times that we really stuff up as dads. And so, Lord, I just pray that this morning, Lord, as we listen to myself, Murray and Brian, that it's just a real chance to encourage us, a chance to learn. And Lord, and to help us just to reflect Jesus more and more in how we parent our children. So I just pray your blessing on the three of us as we share with the congregation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Mitch. Morning, church. Hope you're all doing well at home this morning. It's, um, yeah, as Mitch said, some uh, exciting news uh, in the home front. Uh, a bit under maybe 20 weeks ago now, um, Em had a feeling that she was late which for anybody who knows M knows that's very uncharacteristic of her. She's very punctual and on time in everything. Um, so we made a mad dash to the chemist. Uh, and after two tests, we had two very clear lines saying that in January next year, we are going to have a little baby boy, which is exciting and overwhelming and joyous and scary. But what the big sort of thing which kind of came out of that was this sort of complete shift of this idea of fatherhood, because suddenly it is a very personal thing <laughs> um, for me now. So it is a joy to kind of share my very green perspective and views on fatherhood this morning. Um, so as a lot of you guys would know, um, last year we as a church came together and did the 40 days of prayer um, series. And for me, um, I think it would be remiss to not mention at this point that um, this pregnancy that Em and I have been blessed with now didn't just happen. Uh, it was something that had kind of actually been a long time in the making and there had been some sort of waiting and uh, dare I say agonizing um, about this uh, new stage of our life that we really wanted to step into, um, but it just wasn't happening. So at the start of the 40 days of prayer series, I really felt God put on my heart to pray for a child. Um, and I think that it is only right that as God, 
is faithful to his title as Jehovah Jireh, as the one who provides and answers for our answers our prayers. That I honour um, that fact. So I want to publicly thank God this morning for that answer to prayer. The answer to prayer uh, in the dark of night in my study, the answer to prayer uh, on my knees in the shower, my answer to prayer uh, when I was frantically driving to work on the freeway. Um, But I say that uh, with the full knowledge um, that that might be hard for some people to hear this morning, uh, because as we kind of found out and explored through that 40 days of prayer series, answer to prayer can always happen in very different ways. Um, There are obviously others who have and and still are trying to fall pregnant, and and that can be a real hard thing to hear um, somebody else's story, uh, whether it's in this medium or posted up on Facebook or these kind of times when we hear these, you know, joyful moments in other people's lives can, I know personally now, um, be a real hit to us when uh, we feel like maybe... God hasn't been answering our own prayers in that way. Um, So it was in that kind of spirit that um, I was just kind of praying to God and asking what he wanted me to reflect in these short few minutes on Father's Day this morning. And I actually really felt uh, the Holy Spirit put the word adoption on my heart. Um, Now, adoption may surprise some people if they haven't kind of been looking for it in the Bible. It's actually a really big theme that occurs again and again all throughout the Old and New Testament. Um, And I think that it can be a really important thing to recognize that even God, (laughs) Jesus himself, was adopted by Joseph. If it wasn't for Joseph's faithfulness that we just saw, thank you to the Murray girls for uh, dramatizing that moment of Joseph's faith uh, and stepping up to be a father to Jesus. Um, Now, obviously, you know, Jesus is the most important figure in the Bible to have been adopted because he's just by default the most important figure in the Bible. But there's also some other huge figures in the Bible who are adopted, like Moses. Now, what would it look like in the story of the Bible if Pharaoh's daughter hadn't picked Moses out of the river? It would have completely changed the trajectory of of Moses' life, of Israel's future. And for us here today, that moment where Pharaoh's daughter picked Moses out of the water and adopted him into her family, change the course of, of, of history, of, of, of God's story with humanity. But you know who else the Bible says was adopted? You. It says we're all adopted. In Ephesians 1, 3 to 5, it reads, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And here it is. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I think that was the idea that I really wanted to highlight this morning, that we can celebrate this morning that we have been adopted by a heavenly father. 
And I know that I've been lucky enough to experience while at the center, um, my own experience of this, this family. And I, and I hope that this, this, this heavenly family, this church family is an experience that many young and old men and women can continue to experience as they walk through the doors of this church, as they join us in uh, gatherings online, as they become part of this community. Um, I know for me personally, I, I'm very blessed to have a beautiful dad who uh, was, I, I couldn't have really asked for a better dad, but one thing that I always sort of felt I'd, I'd missed out on a little bit when I looked at my other mates who had dads who were Christians and, and did attend church was I was unable to have that sort of faith connection with my dad. And I'm just really thankful today for spiritual fathers in my life. Um, spiritual fathers like Alan Nicholson, like like Dave Morgan, like Brian Codrington, like Mark Wilson, Morris Cattell, the, the list goes on. And I just want to continue to encourage us all today as we not only celebrate our earthly fathers and grandfathers, but also our spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. Um, so I want to leave us um, in this little reflection with a little passage from 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 to 12. It's the image that Paul gives to us um, for what it means to be a spiritual father as he writes to the church in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Um, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. This is what it looks like to be a spiritual father, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Church, we don't stop becoming disciples just because of lockdown. I want to encourage us to continue to invest in each other, continue to be spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers to each other throughout this time. As the blood that runs in our veins is the same blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. We are inherited. We are adopted into a heavenly, uh, heavenly family. So happy Father's Day to all the earthly and spiritual fathers this morning. Thanks, mate. I really, really appreciate that. That was great. As, as a new dad, I guess if I could describe being a father in one word, chaos. I think chaos is just a great word. I won't, I won't rag on my children too much, but a certain daughter of mine who I, we have nicknamed Hurricane Hazel, and you leave a room nice and clean, 30 seconds later, it's destroyed. And it's interesting when you reflect on chaos, because chaos, if left unchecked, it, it just destroys everything. You, as, as parents, and I joke about this with other parents, and how you start to appreciate things that you never did as uh, a newly married or married about kids. Things like Robovax, things like mops, steam cleaners, all these things to keep chaos at bay. And, and in many ways, being a father, the, the, the nice verses that I like, that I wish my children would do, something like Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. I like that. I wish my children did everything that I said. Sadly, they don't. Or what about Exodus 20, verse 12? Honor your father and mother, so you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Well, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Surely, kids, you should be doing that. 
And there's other passages too, book of Proverbs, that tells us from Proverbs 1, verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teachings. Now, it's, I guess, as a dad, sometimes I feel that I'm in charge. You should listen to me. When I tell Asher or Hazel, hey, don't touch that, and they do it, I get cranky and annoyed and upset because there's this assumption that I'm the one who's in charge, therefore you listen to me. But being a father, being a leader, comes with tremendous, tremendous responsibility. It's another proverb. It's quite a, quite a famous one about parenting. Proverbs 22 verse 6, it says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That is so challenging. For me, as a new father, I've started to see how my kids model my behavior. Um, Hazel, as I've already mentioned, Hurricane Hazel. And Hazel's full name is Hazel Margaret Naylor Levingston. Yes, that is a mouthful. And when she is naughty, I will say, Hazel Margaret Naylor, stop that. And so guess what? Asher, in his three-year-old voice, when we're at the breakfast table, when Hazel does something, he goes, Hazel Margaret Naylor, stop that. Or when I am putting the dishwasher in, Hazel, the she's such a clever little kid, she starts trying to take the plates and bowls out. When I pick up the Dyson to clean up a mess and I finish it, she picks up the Dyson and starts cleaning it as well. Kids model behavior. And it's an absolutely terrifying time to be a parent because I recognize that the things I say, the things that I do, Hazel and Asher, they're going to copy that too. And, and while this passage is not directed at fathers per se, it's directed to the king of Israel, there's something that it's a template for how all leaders, all fathers, all parents should be. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 17. And so this is when Moses was writing to the Israelites before they went into the promised land. And, and when the Israelites are desiring a king, the Israelites were called not to have a king like every other nation, but to have a king that obeyed Torah, that obeyed the law. So I read here from Deuteronomy 17, from verse 18, it says here, And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted above his brothers, that he may not turn aside from the commandment even to the right hand, or the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. What a powerful verse. Uh, earlier on in that, it talks about the king's not able to get horses or lots of wives. Because that's what traditional kings do. They use power to subjugate people. And sometimes as in my temptation, when my kids don't listen to me, I say, I'm the one who's in charge. They should listen to me. What the Bible does, the king, he has to be humble enough that each year you copy out Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Carry that around with you. You want to be a good king? 
You want to be successful? That's what you have to do. And if we break it down into family units, in many ways in ancient Israelite culture, the father was the head of everything. He was the one to guide the family, to protect them, to teach them Torah as well. So as Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. In order to have that wisdom, one must understand God's laws. In order to be able to pass on instruction and wisdom, have to understand God's law, God's commands. And friends, I'll tell you what, that terrifies me. That challenges me because in those other examples I shared, that's just a word, some actions. But as those kids get older and they see me, they're going to think, hey, Dad, you, know, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do this. Or, hey, Dad, that was an amazing example of reflecting Christ in how you speak to us and how you speak to Mum. Actions speak louder than words. And so for me, as a new dad, it's my challenge is to actually reflect what it means to be a godly father. In my life, like Murray, I've had a number of father figures who've encouraged me. My own dad, as I shared a couple of weeks back, he was really influential in my walk, in his example. I suppose as a new dad, that, that's my challenge is that one day I can be, well, one day I can hear my kids say, hey, our dad was an example of reflecting Jesus to us. That others around me can say, yeah, Mitch, he was a great mentor. He was a great spiritual father to me and how he reflected Jesus. And Jesus, he is just the perfect model of what it means to be a dad. Even though Jesus wasn't a dad in an earthly sense, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he says here to the church at Philippi, from, he says, Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with a God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, he emptied himself and became a servant. That is the example of leadership. That was the example of leadership that was being set way back in the Old Testament. That is the example that was modeled in Jesus. And dads, that's the example we should model to our kids. And the example that all of us should be modeling to our family, to our friends, and to the world around us. I'd like to invite Brian up now to share his reflections as a dad now. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks, Mitch. Uh, thanks, Murray. And uh, hi, everybody. Happy Father's Day to all you dads. Life is so, so short. 
It seems like only yesterday when I took each of our three kids in my arms and looked at them and just marvelled at God's provision for Lynn and for myself. And it's because life is so, so short that my call in fatherhood is to live life with my family, to enjoy that and to make a difference. But it's actually more than that. It's more than just about living life each and every day. The call I have on my fatherhood is to leave a legacy. To leave a legacy way beyond I've gone, once I've gone. To leave a, a legacy not just for my family now, but for the kids that will follow. We're soon to be grandparents and we're looking forward to that day. Our first um, grandchild on the way in about three weeks time. What type of legacy is going to last way beyond after I've gone to be with the Lord? Well, the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that there are three things that remain. These three things, three things remain, faith, hope and love. And I want to reflect on those just now. The first one is love. Everyone is craving love. The, the basic human desire is to love and to be loved. And yet for so many, love seems to be elusive. So for me as a dad, I want to demonstrate an unconditional love to my kids, a love that's not based on their performance or based on them measuring up to my expectations. And I've got to say, that has been a real learning experience for me. I found it easy as a dad to be very much in love with my kids when they perform well or when they reach my expectations. And God had to refine me and still needs to refine me to show an unconditional love in all situations of life. Because I'm reminded that my heavenly father's love for me is, um, is unconditional. When I've stuffed up, when I still do in life, God demonstrates his love for me and accepts me. And my call, the call on my life as a dad is to be that reflection, a reflection of the father's love for our kids. And I'm a, I'm a jar of clay and uh, I'm a poor reflection at different times. And my kids have told me that at different times in life. And I'm very grateful that they have and they've felt able to do that. I need to be reminded for me to keep looking to the Father, my Heavenly Father, if I'm going to reflect well with my kids. The second legacy I want to leave is one of faith. Uh, I've been blessed by a mum and dad who knew what it was and modelled what it was to know Jesus Christ and to live with Jesus. Grandparents before them who modelled that. And so my real desire from uh, with my kids from a very young age, was to talk to them about the Lord, to talk to them about God's amazing love for them, uh, to talk to them about the plans and the hopes and the dreams that they had and the plans that God would have for, have for them, to talk to them about their, their sinfulness and the fact that there was a Saviour, that Jesus came to forgive them their sin and that Jesus, when he rose again, would give them the power to live their life and the Holy Spirit would journey with them. And it's been a real pleasure to see each of them make a decision to follow Jesus. From a young age, yeah, and some very, um, very basic steps to start with. And it's been a privilege to see that. One of those that I remember most, and some will have heard this before, as I was traveling home, um, driving, just two of us in the car, me driving, uh, my little three-year-old was too young to drive. I wouldn't get him in a car with him now anyway, to be quite honest. Um, and anyway, he's in the back seat and I'm watching him up in the rear vision mirror 
And uh, so I said to him, well, uh, Dano, what did you learn about in Sunday school today? Looks like I could see him in the rear vision. Learn about Jesus. That's great, I thought. It's a good start for Sunday school teachers. So what was it you learned about Jesus? Learned how to stick him on paper. Hmm. And then he held up his little activity sheet where someone had cut out a little image of Jesus and Daniel's job was to put glue on the back of Jesus and stick him on this sheet of paper and to colour him in. Now, I'm pleased to say that that little three-year-old's knowledge of Jesus now is not just a knowledge about Jesus, but it's a deep faith in who Jesus is. And that deep faith has come as, as he, like all our kids, have negotiated some hard situations in life. And I've, and I've valued seeing them go through that. Josh had one just recently um, as a helicopter pilot in the tourist industry. And, you know, no tourists coming into Australia. That industry is basically closed down. A lot of that tourism. And he's been waiting on God to provide another, another, almost another career for him. And God has provided him that. And I've, I've just valued the times of seeing these kids go through hard situations of life. Not in a vindictive way where I can say, see, now you know what it's like to really live life. But rather knowing that those hard situations of life were going to cause them to step closer into God and to see God provide for them, and to see their faith grow. It's in those hard situations of life that my own faith grew, where I found Jesus to be real, where I found Jesus to be dependable and faithful. And so I valued those because I then know that that faith for our kids has become a personal faith. It hasn't been simply living out a set of family values or family traditions. And then the third legacy, I want to leave for our kids is hope our world is desperately searching for hope particularly at this time of history in this pandemic people are anxious about life anxious about leaving homes or when they're going to get back together or whatever might happen and as a dad nothing makes me happier than to see our kids live with a glass not a glass half empty not even a glass half full but with a glass full and bubbling over Bubbling over because God is a God of hope and he wants us to take that hope out into a world that desperately needs it. And many will know that our daughter Sarah left home about uh, almost 13 years ago, uh, left um, you know the, the Hills District and went off to Alice Springs. Um, Alice Springs, she, all she had was a social work degree tucked under her arm and the promise of uh, employment with uh, territory families and communities, uh, a place to live, a hotel that was provided for six weeks and then she had to um, find um, her own accommodation over there. No other contacts, but this is where she believed God wanted her to go. And uh, there's probably no harder uh, place to cut your teeth in child protection than in the central desert communities of Central Australia. And I remember uh, speaking to Sarah about three months or after she'd been there as she unveiled more of what she was enduring and seeing. Um, the physical and sexual abuse of, of very young children, tiny children, uh, absolute like, neglect. And so I said to her, Sarah, where is God for you in all this? She said, Dad, there are days when I don't see God anywhere. When I actually say, God, where are you? If you really exist, why does this type of thing happen to, to these little kids who are just so innocent and need to know your love? And she said, the next day I come into work, I say, without God, 
There is no hope. And God, our God, my God is the God of hope. For God, nothing is impossible. And the reason I'm here is to shine his light and his hope and to bring hope into the lives of these kids and their communities. And as she told me that, my, I, was just, I was just crying because for me it was the adoption for her of the hope that she could take as God's missionary to people that desperately need it. And friends, that's the legacy I like to see in our own family. Um, develop, continue to be passed down for generation to generation. It's something I'd like us to see in our, in our own church family, um, to be a community that is firmly established and knowing the love of Jesus, to celebrate that together, to be people who are firmly established in faith, the faith of Jesus Christ in his, in his death and his, and his um, sacrifice of sin for us, in the power of his res- resurrection, and to be a people who Walk into the future with hope, with hope, because the Holy Spirit dwells within us and God is using us by his Spirit to transform our world. So bless your friends on this day. Thank you. That's going to pray for us now before we have our final song. Lord, I just thank you for Murray sharing about adoption and how ultimately we are adopted in your family. You are the good heavenly father. Thank you for Brian for reminding us of the legacy, Lord, and setting that. And so even this morning, Lord, for those of us who aren't fathers, Lord, to be able to learn something from that, to be able to understand what it means to be adopted, to understand what it means to leave a legacy, understand what it means to be people who are of your word. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity that we had to share. We just ask your blessing upon your word that it may transform us and change our lives and ultimately point us to Jesus and to, for your glory and for your kingdom and for your purposes. We ask this in his name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.